Right. Amen. So, well, I think um, a lot of students are probably heading into the final season. Um, anyone who has, who has finals coming up either next week or the week after? Anyone has finals coming up? Yeah, finals. Yeah, AP's just finished, right? And now final season's already around the corner. Um, yeah, so I, I apologize in advance. My nose a little stuffy today. I think I maybe got, um, got, got a cold last week, so I apologize for that. Um, would you guys all turn with me to um, Acts chapter 11? Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. So we pick up here with Peter returning to Jerusalem from his trip to Samaria, right, where he personally witnessed the promised Holy Spirit, um, which is really the sign of God's salvific work. It, it came upon all the Gentiles who heard the message of peace of Jesus Christ. And then we read, and this is where we pick up again in Acts chapter 11, verse 1. It says, The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Right, so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Uh, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in the trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and then it was pulled up into heaven again. Right then... Three, uh, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to, uh, to have no hesitation about going with them. The six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. So let's talk about Cornelius, right, the centurion. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and said, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and your household will be safe. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he came on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Amen. Amen. So when Peter he returned, he wasn't met with rejoicing and excitement as he might have expected. Instead, when he arrived, his own brothers and sisters, they criticized him for disobeying Jewish law, for entering the house of someone uncircumcised. Right? He wasn't supposed to do that according to Jewish law. So these believers, they were really just like Peter before Peter experienced how big God's heart was for all the people. Right, and once Peter, he shares this message of peace, and he really saw how God shows no favoritism and accepts all people. And, I, and then when these people heard Peter's story, they were all convinced and they praised God. 
I think that's what's so beautiful about being in a community is that you can share testimonies and stories. You can hear testimonies and stories from other people. Right? We can read and we can understand scripture and we can apply it together. We can challenge each other. And because of Peter um, the, and the believers, they came together in Jerusalem. They met together. They grew and they knew God a bit better that day. So where, when you guys come to church, I don't want you guys to think like there's nothing that I can contribute. You know, I just attend. I just, you know, I don't need to say anything. But you know, just by you being here, just by you guys talking, you guys are adding to what's here. And you guys are benefiting each other. So, so I really want everyone who comes here to be connected in some way to other people, like whether it's through family time or parent luncheon, if you're a parent, if um, Sunday school, coming to Sunday service, like these are uh, awana for the kids. These are all ways in which you know we can get connected together, and and we could potentially benefit each other more. So if you haven't really attended one of those groups, you could, I encourage you to come check it out or talk to me. Um, family time and Awana and Parent Lesson are currently on summer break. We're going to start again in August or September. So uh, please, please come talk to me about that. And let's continue in, in verse 19. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, or Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyrus, uh, Cyprus, and Antioch, right, telling the message only to Jews. But they only told the message to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus, Isyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, and telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Our news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught, them great, and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Or this happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So in verse 19, when it says, Persecution, they're scattered by persecution. Which, which persecution is being referred to here? We, we, we talked about this in the past. Which, which persecution is being referred to here? Could you guys maybe feel free to turn back and maybe give me a, a chapter and a verse where it talks about them being uh, scattered and being persecuted? Here, I hear a chapter 6, 7, where, 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 which persecution are we talking about here? 8. 8? I hear 8. So we've got 3 persecutions, 3 separate persecutions, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, so what we're talking about here is the one in chapter 8, right, it says, 
Right, so, uh, so uh, Stephen, Stephen, he was just stoned to death. And then on, and then on verse 1 it says, chapter 8, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Right, so this is the persecution. This is the one in which they were scattered. And not only did they scatter throughout Judea and Samaria, some of them ended all the way in Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch. So I just want to show you guys um, a, a map of, uh, so we know what we're talking about. It's, it is a little small, so I'm going to just like use the pointer here. So here's Judea, right, on the south. And here's Jerusalem. Here's Galilee, where Jesus spent a lot of time. And then Damascus, where uh, Saul of Tarsus, right, he ex encountered Jesus and his life was changed. Right, here's Phoenicia. And then you go up here, here's Syria, Antioch, Cyprus, there's this, is this, is this an island over here. And then, and then up here you get Antioch, and here is, is Tarsus, okay? This is Tarsus, so this is where Saul is originally from. Right, so you can see, right, all these, all these locations, real, real locations, guys. And through ordinary people just like you and me, the gospel made its way, right, from here, right, here, all the way to up here, out here, right? You gotta, you got, you can't just walk. You gotta take a ship, right? Go there. And everything's great. Everything's great, except what? Except that the message was only being told to the Jews, right? These these believers, they weren't there when the Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius and his buddies. They weren't there. They, they weren't there when Peter reported back to the, church, to the church in Jerusalem. So was the gospel ultimately going to be um, hindered? Was it going to be stopped just because some people didn't know? What we see is no. Some people, although some people didn't get the memo about how, God's, how big God's heart is for all the people, but some people understood we're not told exactly how they understood, but they understood that the gospel wasn't reserved just for the Jews. So we see that. It says, some of them, however, are men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak the good news. And what we see is that as they began to share the good news, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people were saved that day. So how many people here desire for the bay to be transformed by Jesus Christ? How many people here desire that? Would like to see that? Would yearn to see that? Right, Silicon Valley transformed for Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ? A lot of people, they, they're here, they look for success. Right? They look for satisfaction. They look for happiness. Right? They look for belonging or love or, or whatever they, they're looking for. But ultimately, what they need is Jesus Christ. They might not know that yet, but we know that. And I want you guys to see here is how were these people these people who, who shared the gospel, how were they able to make such a great impact in these cities? It says in verse 21, what does it say? 
Verse 21, what does it say? How were they able to do that? Why? Can you say that a little louder? A little louder? Right, the Lord's hand was with them. That's the answer right there. How did so many people turn to the Lord through these people that, that shared? Because the Lord was with them. You see, we have a God who is present, right? He's active, and He's working. And He's powerful, and He's with us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that our God is powerful, he's alive, he's working, he's active, here, right, with us? I believe that God is with us here in Hawk 4. That God is working and he can work through each one of us, each one of you. Right? That's how we're really going to reach the bay, is not just through um, a, a, a handful of people, as we even read here, right? Man, it's not, not only did the apostles share, but just ordinary people like us. They, 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 they scattered and they traveled and they took that message and they shared. Right? It's really dependent on, on God working in each one of us. And I know that some of you guys might be, um, you know, I don't know exactly what it looks like in your life, but some of us might be still exploring Christianity. You're not sure. But you're here and you're listening and you're asking questions to see if it's true. Maybe some of us are we're still slowly realizing like some of the disciples and like Peter in the past, still slowly realizing how big God's heart is. Or still slowly realizing what God's will is. And maybe some of us, we're, we're, we're trying our best to be good witnesses in where we are, in our schools, our homes, our workplaces. You know, we're working on that and we're learning. We don't have all the answers, but, but we're, 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 we're being obedient to the Spirit and, and just like how Philip and Peter, they're obedient. You know, they just... God led them people, and they just, they, they went, they didn't know why, and, and, then, they, and then the opportunity came, and they, and they shared, they took the opportunity. And this past year, um, I've been learning a lot, too. I've been learning um, more and more that, that if I'm not depending on God, then, and what I'm trying to accomplish for God, then it's not going to work. That, that's what I've been learning. God's been teaching me that. It's going to fail, right? If I'm not depending on God, it's going to fail. So are you depending on God in your life? But then the story, it shifts from the believer scattered in the north to the man by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas. The first time we hear about Barnabas is in chapter 4. You guys remember Barnabas? Chapter 4, Barnabas? Interesting name. I don't know if you guys know anyone, uh, have any friends named Barnabas. Um, But he's this guy, he's from the tribe of Levi. And he's actually a native of Cyprus. And what we learned is that he's a generous guy. He's a believer. He's a generous guy. Remember, that, remember back when um, 3,000 were added to the, to the group of believers? And then people started to donate money. Like they, they sold land, they sold property, or they sold possessions. And they, 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 donated, they donated that to the, the church so that the church could, uh, delig- uh, to, could, could um, give the money to those in need. So we learned that this guy, he owned a piece of land, Barnabas owned a piece of land, and he sold it, and he put it at the feet of the apostles, and he just gave it up as an offering. He was generous. And this guy, he understood what it meant to care for others. 
And this guy, he put his money where his mouth was. The second time we hear about him is when Saul, he attempts to visit Jerusalem. So Saul, he's coming to Jerusalem to be confirmed after a couple years. And then all the believers in Jerusalem, they're like, they're, they're, they're in fear. Why are they in fear? Because Saul was this guy who went out and he put Christians in prison. This is what they remembered about Saul. Saul went to put Christians in prison, and then, like, I mean, Stephen, he died, and Saul was there approving of that. And now Saul's going to come to Jerusalem again, and he wants to come and meet with us because he says he's one of us now. So Christians were really afraid, but then Barnabas, he's like, I vouch for this guy. I can vouch for this guy. Because I believe that our God is big, and our God can change anyone's life. Have you guys not heard that Saul, after he was converted, he began to preach the good news at risk of his own life? This guy was, this guy's really changed. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? So Barnabas, he stood up and he vouched for Saul. So, so, so Barnabas, he, he's sent by the church in Jerusalem. The church is like, hey, Barnabas, we're going to send you because we know we can trust you, that, you, that, 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 you're, going to, that you're a good leader and you're firm in the faith. We're going to send you to Antioch to check out what's been going on and, and report back to us. And what, what, what does Barnabas find? What does he discover when he arrives? Let's look at verse 23. What does he see when he arrives? When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. When he arrives, he sees that the grace of God is present. And he's glad. He's glad. Are you, are you guys glad when you see that? When, when people come to know who, who God is and they put their faith in Him, are you guys glad? Do you guys rejoice? And then He remains and He wants to encourage them to, to know God more, to deepen your, your knowledge, your understanding of God, to, to, to strengthen your relationship. And because He remained there, a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So we see that this, this place in Antioch, more and more Christians are, 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 are being um, uh, transformed. More and more people are coming to know who Christ is. And he realizes that, man, there's more and more people now. And he realizes that he can't do everything on his own. He can't do all the teaching. And how true this is and how wise he is to realize this. He realizes that he's limited. He's just, he's one man, right? He has the same amount of time, 24 hours in the day, just like everybody else, right? He has his physical limitations. He needs to sleep, he needs to eat, all right? Uh, preparing, teaching, it, it takes time. So he realizes that, that he, he can't do this all on his own. So you guys probably know that um, Justin, he comes once a month, right? You guys know that, right? He comes once a month. Um, and at the same time, Ben from Hawk One, he usually comes on 
uh, on Sundays, where, I mean, in months where we have five Sundays, he'll come. Uh, so, like, that's what we're realizing here is that when I first came here, like, I, I, I tried, you know, like, creation and all that, but it was just a lot. It was just a lot of teaching to, 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 to do. So what we tried to do here as a church, the leadership, we decided let's, let's kind of spread it out a little so, so we have more people come in, you know, on, on when we need, you know, help. So that's why we invited Justin and, and Ben to come. So I'm really glad that they can come because it provides you guys another voice as well. You guys can learn from them. You guys can hear their story because every person has a different background, a different story, a different style. And I'm really glad to, to really see what God can do through them as well, what God is speaking to you guys through them. So as he travels to Tarsus to find Saul, he goes and he finds someone that he trusts. Remember, he vouched for Saul in the past. He believed that God changed this guy's life. He believed that Saul was someone who could really greatly benefit the Gentiles. Because God chose Saul specifically for the Gentiles. Remember? Barnabas knew that. So, so Barnabas, he, he travels from, from, from here, right? He's over here, and he travels over here, and then, I mean, I'm sorry, he's here, yeah, and then he travels, and then he goes and finds Saul. And for an entire year, they meet with the disciples there, and they teach them. They teach them. I find this both a great comfort and a good description of Christian life here. Or you see, Christians, their, their lives are supposed to be centered around, I mean, Christ is supposed to be the center of their lives. Christ is supposed to be the center of a Christian's life. And we see here is that new believers, they need to be taught. New believers need to be taught. Which means what? Which means that they don't know everything. Which means that they didn't need to know everything when they became a Christian. They didn't need to know everything when they got baptized. I think a lot of people sometimes they're scared uh, because they, they feel like they don't know enough. Like once I know enough, then I, then I can, you know, I'll make that final step. Um, I don't know when that is, but I guess I'll just know when it comes or when it happens. So that they wait, they wait, and then, they, and then, they, and then maybe, I don't know if it's going to happen. And they worry, maybe I'm not going to be good enough. But what we see here is that these new believers, they were taught for a year. And I'm sure that learning didn't just stop there. I'm sure many of us who have been Christians for many years, we're still learning. Right? We think we, uh, I, I, some people might think, oh, you know a lot already, like, I want to be like you, or I really admire you. But, you know, we're still learning. Everyone's still learning. It's an ongoing process that we do together. So to stop and to say, you know, I know everything, it's really to be arrogant, to think that we know it all, to say that we don't need others and we could do it on our own. Right, Sunday school has been um, really helpful for me personally. Uh, I hope it's been helpful for you guys as well who attend 
But as we've been going through the objections to Christianity, um, I've been uh, able to, I mean, even though I prepare some materials, but there's a lot of stuff that, that occurs during the, the Sunday school that I don't prepare for, I don't plan for. There are a lot of spontaneous questions, a lot of spontaneous answers and, and thoughts and all these discussions. All of that's spontaneous. And through these discussions, I've been able to learn a little more about what uh, some of our students they face in school or what things that they're learning in school, how it affects them. I'm able to, um, yeah, just, just, just learn more about them right? and, and learn more about what they're thinking about these days. And in the last week, I was able to, to learn a little bit and confirm a little about what uh, public schools teach about um, the origin of the universe. Right? I was like, hey, what, is, what does your teacher say? What, hey, what does your teacher in your school say? So, oh, do all schools say the same thing? You know, like just asking and just learning, right? And then I was able to see some of the students, they were able to confirm each other and they were um, able to just realize, wow, like, you know, we go through the same things. You know, we're, we're struggling through the same things. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're learning some of the same things and it's been helpful for them to kind of maybe gain a connection. So what we see is that we really need each other with Christ as a center. Now these groups of believers, they were taught by Barnabas and Saul. They were so into Jesus that they were actually given a name by the people of Antioch. They were given a name. In superhero um, movies, I don't know if you, how many guys watch superhero movies. It's, it's just, there's been so many like Marvel and DC movies coming out, right? And so, in superhero origin movies, um, I, I'm always waiting for um, that moment in the movie where they reveal, like, the name of the superhero. I'm always waiting for that moment. Because, like, we see the, you know, you see the title on, you know, of the movie. It usually includes, like, the, the hero's name. But I always wonder, like, where did they get that name from? Like, when in the movie do we actually get to start calling that hero that name? Right? How, when does that happen? And oftentimes it's not a name that he or she came up uh, by themselves. Came up with by themselves. It's, rather, it's, it's usually a name um, that's given to them by someone else. Or maybe, it's given, uh, maybe it's given by the villain. Maybe it's given by the people of that city. Maybe it's, given, uh, maybe it's, it's written first. Or it's, first it's introduced through a newspaper or a reporter or something like that. Or maybe by friends and family or something like that. You know, like people, people are like, oh, like, they, they see something, and then they're like, well, this is what they do, um, this is what they did, or this is, this, is who they, this is what they look like, or this is their superpower, so we're going to call them X or Y or Z. So, for example, you know, Barry Allen, right, the fastest man alive, you know, the Scarlet Speedster, the, the Flash, right, he's fast. Or you get, um, you know, you get Captain America, right, Captain America, America's symbol of, of courage and hope. Right, as strength, you get Captain America, you get, uh, if you guard the galaxy, or what are you called? If you guard the galaxy. What do you, what do you call? <laughs> Guardians of the galaxy, right? It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not rocket science. So here we see the disciples, they're being called Christians. For the very first time in the Bible, they're being called Christians for the very first time in history. And considering how widespread and popular this, this term is, the, this word Christian is actually only used three times in the Bible. 
It's only used three times in the Bible. So it's used once here, and it's used once in Acts 26, verse 28, and in the last time is it's 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 16. And this word, it can be broken down into two parts. We got uh, Christ, and we have I-A-N, right, the suffix, which indicates an identity, which indicates a belonging to someone or something, devoted to something, someone. So, for example, in this time, if, if, um, if you were a Herodian, Herodian, you basically were King Herod's people. Right? You belong, you're devoted to King Herod. If, in our time, if you're a Californian, right, you identify with the state of California. Right? California is it, it's different than the East Coast. Right? It's, it's different than the South. Right? When I went to Texas to study, it was quite different. I had, I had culture shock for like six months. It's, it's quite different. So a Christian is someone who belongs to and is devoted to Christ. So if you're a Christian, that's who you are. We are people devoted to Christ. So the disciples in Antioch, they lived in such a manner of devotion to Christ that those around them began to identify the disciples with Christ. Our Christ was vital, was important, was central to their lives. We think about the names that people might call you, right? Think about it. What, 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 what terms do people use to describe you or call you? Do they, do they call you um, workaholic? Or do they call you um, hipster? Do they call you gamer? Do they, what do they call you? Do they call you uh, nice guy or, or um, nerd? Like, what would people say? Is, is Christian one of those terms that people might call you? Right, back in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we read about the conversion of nearly 3,000 Jewish people. And when they, when they were converted, it says this. When they were converted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Right, if, if you are a believer, this should be true of you as well. Right, are you devoted to becoming a learner? When people see you, they're like, oh, man, you are connected to Christ. Like, I, don't, I might not know what that connection, like, I might not know exactly what that looks like or what it means all that, but I see somehow that you're connected to Christ in some way. Are you devoted to being a learner? Right? Are, you, are you reading your Bible? And not, not only do we need to read and listen, but are we doing, right? Are we doing it? In James chapter 2, we see that, that, that faith and deeds, they go hand in hand. Faith and deeds go hand in hand. Faith and works go together, right? We're not saved by, through our works, right? We're saved by grace through faith. But from that, our works show, right? It shows. Our works show what we really believe, what our faith holds. All right, so if, for example, it says here in James chapter 2, verse 14, it says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters... If someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily bread. So look at the person next to you and be like, do you have clothes and daily bread? Do you, do, do you, are, are you hungry? Ask the person next to you. And, and if one of you says to them, 
go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? All right, so just think about that. Someone's, you ask someone, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, man, horrible. I'm just, I'm just so down and, and X, Y, and Z. And you're like, peace be with you. And then you're on your way. Like, that just, there's like some disconnect, right? You're like, oh, oh like that doesn't really feel right. So you can go read this on your own. It's really awesome, James chapter 2. But I want you guys to think about is that does your identity as a Christian show so that people who are around you know that you're a Christian. You know, and what I want, I mean, what I wanted to know as I was reading this passage is, um, as, a, as a pastor, I always think about this is, how well am I teaching you know, the people? Um, how, how well am I, am I teaching, am I shepherding the people here at, this, at Hawk 4? Um, and then I, in the story, I think about how well did Barnabas and Saul, how well did they teach these people? How well have these new converts progress over the course of a year? How well have they done? And not surprisingly, Luke, the author of this book, he shows us their works. He shows us their works. So take a look at that. 27, verse 27. It says, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Right? And one was named Agabus stood up, and he, and he was like, through the Spirit, he prophesied there was going to be a severe famine. <clears throat> so in verse 29, it says, The disciples each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So in response of hearing this, this bad news, what do they do? Do they say, let's, let's write a letter, <clears throat> or let's send a text, let's write a letter to the, to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem? We know your struggle. May your bellies be full. Peace be with you. Signed sincerely, believer, uh, Christians of Antioch. You know, much love. Something. Does that does that make any sense? Does that make any sense? Are you guys are you guys getting how absurd that would be? So in response, what do they do instead? Each disciple, they decided to provide help according to their ability. Each one, they decided what they were going to give. So what we see is we see two things. First, they understood God's big heart for all people. They were Gentiles. The believers in Jerusalem were mainly Jewish. But we've been brought together into one family through Jesus Christ. We are all family of God. We're children of God now. We're brothers and sisters. Look at the language they even use. It's, it's brothers, they've decided to provide help for the brothers, right? Brothers and sisters living in Judea. So this is how they even refer to them, right? This is how they called them. Two groups who were once in conflict. It was against Jewish law to, for a Jew to enter a, a Gentile's house, a circumcised Gentile's house, right? This hostility was broken. Through Jesus Christ. And the second, we learned that the disciples, they were generous. They were generous. Each, each decided to give as they were able. There were no comparisons, right? no competition. There were no announcements of how much someone gave and, 
and, and, and all these things. But all we see is that these disciples, they understood that loving others, loving on others, loving your neighbor was pleasing to God. Right, last week, Justin, he shared a little about desire. I don't know if you guys remember, a little about desire. Uh, desire, it comes from deep inside, right? Desire to do something is wanting to do something because, because I want to, not because someone forces us. Right, we want to, I mean, these, these disciples, they wanted to give and to be generous because they wanted to. They understood that, um, that, that, being generous, loving others is pleasing to God, and they wanted to share. And I believe that Paul, I mean, Saul and, John, and Barnabas, they were good examples of being generous. The fact that these disciples, they understood that when someone has a need, you help them, like, as you're able to, according to your ability, that that's, that's something good. And I'm sure that they, they must have seen that being replicated from their lives. And I think that people, they can, and, um, they can get caught up in being calculative, right? Like, how much is enough and how much is too little? Um, if my circumstances change, then can I change how much I give or, or blah, blah, blah? But what I think is that it all comes from our understanding of, 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 how, of, of how, that we are all privileged to some extent. We're all privileged to some extent. And, it, and we should steward our, our privilege in a way that we can benefit others around us. So are there people going to be people here that, that own a lot more? Yes. Are there people here that own less? Yes. But can we all still give to some extent? Yes, right? And, uh, and, and no one's going to say how much that is or what that might look like. Right? So it, it could be, yeah, it, it all really, it's, it's really kind of open. I think that's what's awesome about that. And, and my desire is that, is that us here, that, that we will pray that God will help us to be disciples, right, who, who understand God's heart, who really understands God's heart for the world. I pray that here Christ becomes and he remains the center of all that we are. I pray that we act upon the faith that we profess. I believe that God is working in each one of us and each one of you. And I want you guys to think about is, what is God speaking to me today? How is God speaking to me today? What action should I be doing today? What is God saying to you? What does God want you to do? And with that, let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> thank you for giving us this gospel of Jesus Christ that, that, that we have hope, that we have peace for through you. And this is, a, this is a peace and hope that the world needs. Or would you become and remain the center of our lives that, that, that people would come to know you because, because our lives, our lives just, 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 you, you just, you just flow out of our lives. Or would you transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ day by day? Or would you teach us what you want us to learn? 
Or would we remain disciples of you, learners, all the time, forever? And would you help us to love on others around us? I pray that all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.